Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their own personal stories on how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to chat with Chris Lane, the guitar player for the band Station, over Zoom video. Chris was born and raised on Long Island, and he talks about how he got into music. His first instrument he learned was the saxophone, played in the jazz band throughout middle school and high school, eventually picked up guitar around 16 years old, but he's always been into classic rock, so it was hard for him to find his crew of people that were interested in Van Halen and Devo and those type of bands, while most kids his age really weren't into classic rock. He talked to us about going to school at NYU for music business how he eventually met the vocalist of Station, Patrick, off of a musician's classified ad type website. And he has this funny story about the first video he saw of Patrick singing. He talks about recording their first EP and all about their most recent record, Perspective, and the new perspective on recording that they were able to achieve over COVID. You can watch the interview with Chris on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're an Amazon shopper, a portion of your everyday purchases will help support our podcast with just a few clicks. It's super easy. Please head over to our website, bringingitbackwards.com, and click on Amazon each time you begin your purchases. Those few extra clicks will help keep our mission of providing a platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their personal stories on how they achieve stardom so that all artists and music enthusiasts have access to meaningful and memorable advice that will help inspire their own musical journeys. To recap, please head over to bringingitbackwards.com and click on Amazon before you make each and every purchase because a portion of that purchase will add up in a big way to help support our mission. Thank you so much. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Station. Chris, thank you so much again for doing this. It's all about you, your journey in music, and we'll talk about the brand new record uh, with Station that just came out cool man thank you thanks for having me yeah of course uh the band started in new york city are you from new york originally i'm from long island yeah okay born and raised mm -hmm. what was it like growing up in new york um you know i mean i love new york i i still live in new york i went to college in new york so i i never i was never a resident of any other state than new york okay um, but uh you know i mean Growing up on Long Island in the early 2000s and the late 90s, I guess, you know, the style of music was very different. Um, the prominent style of music around me is very different than what I was very into. Yeah, it was so, super, um, like emo, right? Like more oh, of those it's emo like bands. Emo. Yeah. And yeah. like where I was kind of like, I like this band, Van Halen. People were like, I don't want to talk about it. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, um, you had like uh, Taking Back Sunday and all those type of bands from. Yeah, around. no, absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and, you know, that was really actually, although not my particularly taste in music, um, it was very inspiring because even though the scene wasn't kind of my taste, people were into making music. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So like I like I get there were all these clubs on Long Island that really made me want to be like, I want to be on stage. I want to be on stage. Granted, it was a little bit more difficult at that time because finding musicians that were kind of into playing what I wanted to play was more difficult, mm -hmm. but didn't extinguish that kind of like oh my god they're on stage i want to be on stage kind of sure. you know, mentality mm -hmm. yeah probably not a lot of 
kids trying to emulate like Van Halen. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was the good time for that. <laughs> right on. Well, what was the, what got you into music originally? Um, actually I would say it's my parents, you know, um, they're very into classic rock and they just played music all the time. So I grew up just with the Beatles and Fleetwood Mac and Steely Dan and everything. It's cheap trick all around me. And, um, because they were so into classic rock, I really didn't, you know, cause I mean, I, I would say I didn't encounter a lot of modern music okay. while I was growing up because it was all coming from them. You know, because my mom makes the joke that like she went from Sesame Street back to the Beatles. So like that was kind of like where I grew up from. And, uh, you know, because I loved it so much and classic rock radio on Long Island is very popular. Mm -hmm. So it was just all around me. And it's just it, I there's something about it that just really kind of ignited kind of a passion for music um, in me. And what was the first instrument you learned? I started actually playing the saxophone in school band. OK. And. I think what, what grade, like third, like fourth, fifth grade, when you get to pick your instrument, fourth grade. Yeah. Okay. But when I got into the fifth and sixth grade, um, they started to have other types of musical ensembles, like a jazz band. Wow. And that actually gave me the taste to be singled out, which is something I loved because, you know, like that symphonic band thing, everyone's playing the same thing. It's all terrible, kind of out of tune and everyone's just learning their instrument. When I got to the point where it's like I could stand up and solo, I could do something original to myself within the context of playing with a band. That's when it just ignited in me to be like, this is what I really like. Performing is cool, but performing as me is better. Sure. And what what would you play in the jazz band? Was did you play saxophone? Also. You did. Okay. Yeah, all through high school, all the way up. And you know, during that time, I taught myself piano and I taught myself guitar. And you know, I found that. The guitar is really where I found myself to be the most expressive and the most interested in, in kind of emoting musically. Okay. And wh what year did you pick up guitar? So I was like 16, 16 and a half. So okay. 2003, 2002, maybe. Okay. And did you start a band right away or did you kind of just stay in the, you know, in the world of the jazz band and was just a hobby playing guitar inside? Well, I started um, when I got to high school, I decided that I was going to start a band. This was this was the thing. And okay. I didn't play the guitar, I played the, the keyboards. Right. And my parents, who were very supportive, had bought me keyboards to play. So like I had synthesizers and things like that. So my mentality was like, I'll find some guitarists. I'll find some a singer, a drummer, a bassist. No problem. And I'll be I'll be the keyboard player. And the people that I started playing with were just only interested in playing covers, constantly covers. Mm -hmm. And it just. I, I mean, I like playing covers from a fun standpoint. It just wasn't anything I, I really wanted to do long term. Right. So I met the guitar player of the jazz band, who's still my best friend to this day. And I was like, I think I just like cornered him and like we're forming a band. <laughs> and basically through his influence of just him leaving his equipment at my house and me being kind of enamored with what he could do on the guitar, I mentally transitioned to being like, that's what I want to do. So my parents went out and they, they got me basically an acoustic guitar and an electric guitar. And they said here, and I retreated into the basement for a couple of years and I emerged as a guitar player. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so did you, did you end up starting a band with him with the, with your buddy from the jazz band? Yeah. You know, we played, we started like a band in high school that played some covers, some originals. Then we started like an all original band. And I mean, I don't think we were particularly 
great, but like, it was definitely a learning experience because we learned what it was like to a B in a band, Mm -hmm. how it means because, you know, communicating with other people who, you know, play different instruments that you understand what they're doing, but it's a different technique. It's a different, you know, um, I mean, it's still the the joke to this day. Whenever I talk to Tony, our drummer, I'm always, I do this, I go boom, 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 like that. And like, he's just like, I have no idea what that means. I've got it. I'm like, cool. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, it taught us a lot and, uh, that's what I kind of used as the, I guess the blueprint going forward for trying to find the real band, forming the band and, 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 you know, ultimately finding Pat. Mm-hmm. And did you go to, you said you went to college in, in New York? I went to NYU. Yeah. Oh, wow. Did you go for music? At, I studied uh, music business. Okay. Wow. Well, I guess that works as well. <laughs> so you went in for music business and yes. did you have a same band throughout college or did you have no. different projects? Um, I didn't have a band pretty much at all in college, minus maybe one that I played with very early on as kind of like a guitarist that came into it. And the reason being was because once again, I was thwarted musically by the predominant style that was around. Um, it actually worked out to my favor though, because I became a little bit unique in the sense of like, I was real, I had long hair. I was really about, you know, playing like guitar solos and things like that. And a lot of the guitar players that I encountered were not. Mm-hmm. Um, they were very into the shoegaze thing, very into, you know, a lot of those types of bands. And um, it just made it easier to find opportunities for me because if they were looking for that, I was I was the guy. Right. So that carried me through um, college. I then got involved kind of on the off-Broadway circuit with a bunch of plays, Leaning Rock. Oh, cool. And- like as a... It's a guitar player for the yeah. their bands. Wow, mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I did an off-Broadway play at the end of college, and then I did a bunch of benefits and and showcase shows for Broadway actors. Um, I even I went to Korea with a show for a while. Wow. Um, be guitar. Yeah, no, it was great. But then, kind of on the other side of that, um, I I enjoyed playing, of course, but it just wasn't the the goal. You know what I mean? It was more of a I like this. This is good. And, you know, obviously it's a job as well, but it wasn't the end all be all of, I am in the band that I want to be in. So, you know, my attention was always looking for that while I did that. And how many years later did you find the band, find uh, the guy's first station? Um, well, Pat and I met in, uh, the first time we got together was September 11th of 2010. So it took a couple of years of me just going through musicians everywhere. And I mean, look, this was like, for me, this was like a national search. At one point, I actually found a singer in California that I flew out to meet and then flew him over here to do more jamming, which didn't work out. And, you know, good guy, but like, it just didn't work out. And I was just so gung-ho about finding the right people. That's why I, I always make the joke that when Pat and I met each other, it was like, slow motion us running to the fields chariots of fire playing you know like <laughs> sure so. <laughs> so how did you end up finding him how did you and pat me well i uh i was working with this singer um and it just wasn't going where i wanted it it just wasn't as productive as i wanted our personalities didn't really you know we didn't not get along it's just it, it wasn't right Mm-hmm. So I was feeling very dejected, was basically like, I, I'm never going to find this person. This is it. And I decided to look online at, um, I forget the website. I think it was Bandmix, but basically they're like, you know, online music profiles that are like classifieds. Mm-hmm. And um, I came across him 
And he basically had these videos of him playing in the band he had just left, which was totally different than what I was interested in. And in fact, one of those videos, he was like rap rapping over rock. <laughs> and like, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just totally not right. Me. It wasn't, it wasn't what you were trying to do. No, but I, I remember this and I'll never forget this in that rap song, um, song called monkey March. And I don't know why I remember this, but <laughs> he, he went from this, thing that I wasn't interested in to hitting an insane high note. And the thing that I, I remember, and I was with my girlfriend at the time, I remember saying to her, this is the guy. And she was kind of like, I don't see that because he's rapping and you're not interested in, in that kind of music. I said, no, no, no. I said, I said, forget that. I said, the fact that he can go from that to that so seamlessly, it's, it's a matter of his intention. It's not a matter of his, his skill. And I was like, if he's interested in singing the way that like bands that I love kind of performed, he can do it. Like that's proof that he can do it. And then, you know, and this is the thing is that we got on the phone for the first time and he was, he's like a clone of me with that. You know, I, I was just like, you ever hear of this band, you know, Skid Row or, or, or Living Color? He's like, they're my favorite bands. I'm like, okay, great. Where have you been? Sure. Sure. So then you guys meet up. Is he in New York as well? He lived um, in upstate New York. Uh, so um, Golden's Bridge, New York, which is like an hour and a half north of the city. So he took the Metro North down and we met in Manhattan. And um, again, you know, one of those more serendipitous things, whereas like I had two musicians that were going to come to the jam session with us, a bassist and a drummer, and both flaked out. And, you know, I was really annoyed at the time because we weren't going to get like a proper jam session on these cover songs we agreed to play. Right. Uh huh. It's actually a blessing in disguise because it just allowed us to just go in and just hear each other play without a band behind it. And it was like, well, you can sing. I can play the guitar. We like this. We got a chance to really talk, which I think was way more important. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we ended up basically being like, all right, we're going to go out to lunch, talk about the future of the band. And then we've been doing that ever since. Wow. Mm -hmm. So how, how, how quickly did you find the rest of the band? It took some time. We actually we couldn't find musicians and we wanted to play shows. So we actually hired musicians for the first two shows um, that we ever played. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we were basically just the two of us and then a bunch of hired guns. And then we found our bassist who came in and then we found basically the first of a couple of drummers before we finally you know, had Tony. And um you know, our lineup has been intact for many, many, many years at this point, once we found Emmy and Tony to kind of round out the rhythm section. Okay. And would, when you say that you had to hire people to play those first shows, did you have all original songs or were you guys doing covers at this point? All originals. We were, oh, we were wow. pretty much from the get-go just being like, I don't want to play covers. And whenever we do play a cover, it's because it's amusing to us. So it, it's, we very, very rarely play covers. Okay. And then you put out a record in what, 2015? Was that your first album? Well, we put out an EP in 2012 oh, okay. or 13. Was so, that like their first songs you had written? Yeah, what we did was, was um, we were talking to this producer, um, this very well-known producer, and uh, it looked like we were going to be able to basically make this EP. And then it fell through because of scheduling. So we went back to the, you know, like the drawing board and we said, well, we were talking to this well-known guy. Why not look for another well-known person? And we ended up contacting Michael Wagner, who had produced, you know, 
tons of amazing albums. Like one of my favorite records is, of all time is No More Tears. And he had done that and like oh, wow. all the Skid Row stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, man, sold like 90 million albums. Like, <laughs> sure. so, you know, I basically just shot him an email and he shot me an email back. That was like, that's cool. crazy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you must've been shocked that he responded. I would be. You know, yes and no. I was shocked okay. that he was as easy to deal with as is because, I mean, not that I expect anyone to have like an ego that's like, you know, unapproachable. But at the same time, if he had, I would have been like, the man did no more tears. I Right. Yeah. yeah respect. You know? <laughs> okay. Yeah. But he was like the nicest, easiest to deal with person with that stuff ever. And we ended up going down to his studio in Nashville for like two and a half weeks and recording a four song EP. Okay. And, uh, that was the first real recording experience we had had with a, with like a professional. What was that like? Was it intimidating at all working with him? No, he oh. made it so comfortable. Um, it was great. You know, I mean, he, he definitely taught us a lot in a very short period of time because we went down there and we had this kind of phrase that was like, Michael is always right. And, you know, because I mean, you made no more tears. So far be it for me to, to say he's something <laughs> different, you know? Sure. So, um, one of the things that ended up happening was, was that he had an idea that I didn't really like love. And I voiced that and we talked about it and we went a different direction. And it was like, I do it. Not that we ever thought we didn't have an opinion, but it was more kind of like, maybe we do have okay ideas. Mm -hmm. So kind of, he kind of brought that out of us to be a little bit more bold in the sense of being like, committing to what we actually think and feel instead of just being like walking and being like, I play the guitar. What should I play? You know, right, exactly. right. Like you tell us what to do. What, what, exactly. what will be the, yeah, what well, sounds good. Got and it. we were very unsure of that dynamic going into it, but he, he squashed that in like a minute when he mm -hmm. was just, just his personality and the way that he was kind of open to ideas. That's awesome. And when did you finish this, you wrap up the CP and do you try to tour it? Like what was the first step from well, there? We didn't know what we were doing at all. So what we did was, uh, we still don't know what we're doing, but we have a slightly better idea. Um, <laughs> What we did was we released the single for it in December of 2012, okay. uh, like the first song. And the strength of that single just made its way around the internet. And we started getting offers for things that we, we had never really encountered before. And like one of those things was from one of the promoters of the Rocklahoma Festival for us to just come and play. Wow. We hadn't tried to go there. I mean, to be completely honest with you, the first time I heard about it, I had to look up what it was. And I was like, this is one of the largest festivals in the country. Mm -hmm. And I was, we were completely shocked. And the way that he found out about it was off of some, like, I think it was like a Danish website that was reviewing it or something for like AOR rock, you know? So like, it's not like this direct path of like, here it is, tell me what you think. It was like this right. weird, you know, wiggly kind of way of getting around. So because of that, we started to realize that there were people in other places that were interested in having us come play. Um, because before that, we had only ventured as far south as like Delaware okay. and as far north as like Connecticut. So then all of a sudden, it was like, let's try playing in Maryland. Okay. Let's try playing in, in Western Pennsylvania. Okay. Ohio. Okay. And we started to see people come. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we said to that was like, well, now we need like a real record. We need to like actually have, like, this is a four song EP that we're selling for $5. Mm -hmm. I was like, we, we need to make a real record. And, you know, at this time, the band is still kind of like new. So it's like, everything's unsure. 
So we got the money together to make a record and, you know, records are expensive to make. And that's why there's 15 songs on it is because it's pretty much the attitude of this might be the last time we ever do this. Let's put everything right. we on it. Exactly. Right. You know, um, <laughs> no, no thought about pacing or anything like that. We're just like, I've got another song. Here you go. You know, like Record that. it, throw it on the album. <laughs> exactly. Um, that became then the blueprint for how we like to make records because we did that record on our own with a local studio. Okay, and so you, you steered away from doing the big producer thing on this, on the actual first record? Yeah, you know, the first record was, we worked with a local studio who we still work with on every record, um, Westfall Recording. You know, they do the drums, they do the vocals on all our stuff. Um, we love them. And we took a lot more active approach to producing it ourselves. And okay. um, I think we've definitely grown as producers, but we really like doing that. We are very opinionated, but we work together as like a very good unit to mm -hmm. um, produce that. But yeah, we recorded it and then we bought a bus off of the strength of that. Um, wow. And then we started actually touring, you know, I mean, it, it was crazy because we started playing in Chicago and, you know, we started finding out that our record was selling in Europe in places in Japan. And granted, we haven't been there yet, but at the same time, it was kind of like, we're kind of always like, how, how, why? Yeah, you know? it's still cool, right? I mean, it's even great. If you've never been there. The fact it's, that people across the world are listening to your record is amazing. It's amazing. It's just the thing that makes us crazy is that we have no way of figuring out why. You know, like we did this <laughs> one, um, we, we were going to Rocklahoma, I think the second time. And we, we did this kind of weird roundabout way of getting there. We went up to Chicago and then I think we were in like Omaha and then we drove south to um, um, Tulsa, okay. right? Or prior Oklahoma. And um, we played the show in Omaha and this show was literally just to get us from point A to point B. Like, it wasn't like we were like, we have to go to Omaha to pay to, to play to our fans. Right. Yeah. It and just we, happened to be a stop along the tour. Another, another exactly. show, another day. Right. Exactly. So we go there and there were people there and I was kind of like, where are you from? And they're like, I'm from Omaha. I'm from 20 minutes away, 20 minutes away. And this one couple was like, I'm from Kansas city or something like that. And I was like, where is that from here? And they're like, I think it's like four hours. And, you know, I mean, don't be wrong. That's great to hear. But my initial reaction is like, why would you drive that far to see this? <laughs> you know, like, right. My mom wouldn't drive that far to yeah. see it, you know? Wait, what? <laughs> my exactly. best friends wouldn't take that journey to see our band. Exactly. You know, I mean, I, I didn't guilt you to get you here. So that was the turning point for us when we realized that we should be way more strategic about our touring and being like, these are now markets. They're not just cities that we can show up and play at. Because originally it was always like, do you have a venue that we that will accept us? We'll come. Mm -hmm. Then it became, well, we should play here because. And if we play here, we shouldn't play there because. And, you know, it informed our business because it we learned how to maximize our efforts. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you used uh, the degree you got in music business quite a bit in the band? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I learned a lot of the basics for a lot of things. And I think that our, and Pat, Pat has the same kind of background. So, okay. you know, I mean, we understand publishing, we understand tour budgeting and things like that. So that has definitely helped along the way because we already started out with a base level understanding that was mm -hmm. probably farther along than someone who can just pick up an instrument and say, I'm going out on the road. Right. Yeah. I, I would imagine that. Right. Mm -hmm. You have a, at least the, you know, groundwork done or right. know what, what to expect. Whereas some people are just 
going blind into this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely helped. That's cool. Um, I want to fast forward a little bit here because you talked about how you produce that first record yourself and mm -hmm. you use the same studio now and you guys produce this most recent record. Right. Okay. And we're, well, we're like prior to when this record side, I don't know when you started recording it, but I'm curious to know, was it affected by COVID at all? Were you working on the album or where were you when that happened? Yeah. Well, so in, um, at the end of 2018, I bought a house. Okay. And one of the things with the house was to be able to set up the ability to record and to have our own recording basically facility, but like on a home scale. Mm -hmm. And we knew that we would still be, cause I live on Long Island, we would still be local to the studio that we like using for things like drums and stuff like that. So in 2019, in June, we went in and we cut basics for two full albums, what would become wow. Steam Glass, our third album, and Perspective uh -huh. now, this one. So we picked the songs that belong on Stained Glass because there's like a kind of a theme to it. We recorded it uh, later that year. We released it in November of 2019, mm -hmm. toured on it, finished touring, had the second leg all set up for April 2020. That spoiler alert didn't work out that well. <laughs> um, no way. What happened? <laughs> um, but in February of 2020, we started working on Perspective and uh, we got probably about 60% of it done, maybe, um, probably January, start working on it, but probably at 60% of it done. And then COVID hit and I got really, really sick at the very beginning of it. And, um, you know, basically we couldn't get together safely. So we ended up just a new recording kind of process. Whereas instead of Emmy and I being together all the time doing it, it was, I do something, he does something, we talk about it, we talk to Pat, we talk to Tony, and it actually worked out, in my opinion, a little better. And the reason being is, is that, you know, beforehand, we have, we've always had deadlines. Mm -hmm. You know, you're either paying for studio time or you have a, a marketing campaign that's supposed to start with the release of something. This time, it was like the world's ending, so it was like, I have no idea what's about to happen. <laughs> and it allowed us to just spend more time on the record, focusing on the things that we actually wanted to spend time on. And that was what was illuminating. Because it was like, you know, when you're in the studio, a lot of times you, you block off days to do things. Because a lot of people don't realize that it takes more time to set things up than it does to record. You know, like the song is four minutes long. So in theory, if you play it perfectly the first time, it took you four minutes to record. Right. To get the sound could take you days before you're ready <laughs> sure, to record. Right. So, you know, we would have keyboard day and we would have guitar solo day. And, you know, it's what you do. You go in and you execute. Now it was like, well, I don't have any days. Every day is recording day. So like if I woke up in my fuzzy slippers and I was like, let's hear this like this. I had all the time in the world to experiment with it. And um, I think it taught us a lot more of what we care about in the record, which is ambiance, room, the nuance of some of the sounds. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say that the last year and a half has been good, but at the same time, it, I, I think the silver lining in it is the fact that it's taught us that going forward, we want to focus on certain things that are actually important to us we didn't realize before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, new perspective on how to record and put the record together. I see what you did there. Yeah. You see what I did there with the <laughs> <Yeah>. perspective? <laughs> and the record just came out. Congratulations. Thank um, you. 
Did you, do you have a big tour scheduled or I know I was watching some of your Instagram videos. You didn't leak much, but you're, you're hinting at uh, stuff coming up with, with this new album. We played a show uh, last week in New York. That was the okay. first show we've played since March of 2020. Um, wow. What was that like? It was weird. It was, uh, it was, it was definitely, I had fun, you know? I mean, one of the things that's great is that like, I, we just like playing music. You know what I mean? Like, it's just the worst of scenarios you put us on stage, we'll still have fun. This was a great show. The room was full. You know, I mean, everything worked out on it. We had rehearsed and we still remembered the songs, which was nice, which was a little bit of a surprise. Um, the only thing that I found kind of odd and weird about it was is that it didn't feel like it had been that long. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like we, it was just almost like it's almost become second nature to us. So it's like, I don't want to say that like I ever want to go this long without playing a show again. But if we did, I feel like it's like shake the cobwebs off. You get on stage, you're like, all right, I'm back. Okay. You know what I mean? Like we didn't have that nervous energy that we kind of expected to be like, you know, do we know any songs? No, it was just like, I'm back at the office. It's great. You know, that's good. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. sure if you, you know, you hadn't played for so long. Do you have to really okay well, let's get back on the same vibe here like you know once yeah. you're doing it every night every night every night it becomes repetitive but with right. so much time off like okay we're we gonna be able to to recreate what we were doing before and we weren't sure either but it, like a puzzle piece it just snapped right back in there um unfortunately though i think that that is the last show of 2021 um because we were going to have two more shows and they're not happening uh, for us. So, you know, I don't, I don't see a realistic way to tour until probably the spring of next year of 2022, at which point I'm hoping that things become a little bit more, um, I would say consistent to be able to let us tour because, you know, for a band, our size is that if you lose a couple of nights in a, in a tour because of anything, it turns the tour upside down financially. It's not like we can just say like, you know, like a lot of large bands are like, I'm canceling the show. I'll be back in two weeks. We can't do that. If that right. doesn't happen on the string of tours, we can't just one off it back out to, you know, the middle of Midwest or something. Mm -hmm. So um, we need to make sure that before we go on the road, everything is, is secure. And that, you know, a lot of people don't realize that there's a tremendous upfront cost to touring. Oh, yeah. And there are a lot of people involved. You know, we, we travel with a tour manager and our, our merch person and, you know, we'll have a sound person and like everything needs to align to make sure that that works. Yeah. Cause if you miss days, right. You're missing out on guarantees and right. sales and everything else. And then right. how do you keep the machine machine moving forward? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So do you feel like it's hard to book a tour right now because of all the bands that have been sitting on, you know, waiting waiting to tour and then now it's like okay it opened up like everyone's you know getting their dates on the calendar oh like a competition for the yeah. space yeah 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 do you see that at all i mean we haven't seen that yet just because in our world we haven't been competing for real estate yet okay come spring i think that's a realistic possibility and you know i'm already planning where that tour is going to be booked. I mean, I mean, any tour that we go on is booked at least six months in advance anyway. So, I mean, okay. it's not like, it's not like we're going to see what happens. That's what makes this so difficult is because mm -hmm. even like some of the shows that we had prior booked um, that ultimately ended up canceled, canceled, they didn't cancel until like three weeks beforehand. It was more like, we think it's going to happen. We think it's going to happen. We think it's, and then nothing. Right. So that was last summer, you know, I mean, like 
at the beginning of all this, it was going to be over in two weeks and then three weeks <laughs> yeah. and then two months. And so we just kept moving dates until we eventually just like, we're like, it's yeah, not happening. We'll, we'll talk to you later. Yeah. Sure. I'm going to focus sure. on this, the record. Okay. So the record's old, the record's out now. And yes. unfortunately, yeah, you won't be able to tour it probably until, like you said, the following spring. Do you plan on, do you, are you constantly writing? Like, are you already working on the next record? Oh yeah. We're like halfway done with the next one. And <laughs> oh, wow. oh no, we have so much music. That's why we invested in the ability to just constantly record. I mean, we, okay. and you know, the frustrating part of all this is that new songs that are written that were like, wow, we really love the song. It's like, cool. We'll record it in 2024. That's the right. tough part about this because we literally have the next three albums written and it's now about execution to record them because it's just, there's not enough hours in the day to, to do it. You know what I mean? Especially if you want to give things the right time to breathe. And you also don't want to get into this place where you're like milling stuff out, you know? Uh huh. So everything well, should have its own inspiration. Yeah. I was going to say, it's probably a better problem to have than not enough songs to, to keep cranking out where then it's like, uh Oh, now it's been six weeks and we haven't released anything. What do we do? Yeah. You have this huge back catalog of stuff that you can keep putting out. It's good. It's a good problem to have. The only, the only problem is, is that, you know, like you've heard musicians say like, you know, all the songs are their children. Yeah. Well, they are all the children. And the problem is, is that you're eventually getting to this point where there's like, you know, there's one child that you're singling out and you're like, I'll get you on the next record. And then that comes <laughs> sure. and you write something else and you're like, I'll get you on the next record. And yeah. then, you know, they, they go off to college and they're never to be seen again. So like, it's just like, <laughs> It's it's a frustrating artistic problem, but it's uh -huh. a it's a good business problem, I guess, you know. Sure, sure. Well, Chris, thank you so much, man, for chatting with me today. I appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I do have one more question. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. For aspiring artists, I would say learn how to speak to other artists. That is the number one key to success that that I think Station has really really has in their its corner we function as a group and we do not take things i don't want to say personally it's just a matter of like we have this standing rule that like pat he sings and if i feel he has to sing differently i can say something pat is just as involved in my guitar solos as i am in his vocals and emmy can say you know what i mean and we we very early on kind of agreed that like we function as a unit so therefore there's no off limits conversation and that's made us a better band because if tony the drummer is able to talk about the rhythm guitar playing it makes us more in sync and it it creates a more like um a stronger gang of musicians and i think that's the number one thing that i would stress to anybody <laughs>